0: Good morning, and welcome once again to Political Dharma with Alan Z. That's me. And that opening segment was from Joey Helpish and patty Rose. The name of it is "We Little Tots," and I thank them for the use of that music. You may have noticed that I tried to tone down the bass line in that music a little bit from the last couple of episodes. Because in trying to fix the sound, which I've been having continual problems with, I was wearing earphones reviewing an older episode and noticed the bass line was kind of loud, uncomfortably loud. So if it sounds better with earphones on now, let me know that. If it doesn't, let me know that as well. Today's topic is political parties. In the last few episodes, I presented a political agenda based on a set of ethical principles and also on some ideas for implementing them in a way that we could create a better society a better economy and the agenda if you recall had five points universal basic support a green economy deliberative democracy protecting individual and worker rights and then ensuring that corporations serve the public serve a public purpose now any agenda that you might put together and try to advance in the political system, in the political system, is going to encounter the same types of problems. Those have to do with how you can uh, present this agenda in a consistent way to the public in a way that they'll recognize and can show support for. Now it would seem like. If, as I've been talking about, I have a political agenda and I want to try to advance it through elections because elections and running candidates who promote that agenda is the best way of helping uh, voters hear what that agenda is, explaining it to them and defending it to them, and then allowing them to show their support for that agenda by their votes. So that means that you have to have a set of conditions in order for running candidates in elections to actually promote your agenda and help it along. So first of all, the party chooses its own nominee. If they don't have control over choosing their nominee, they're not able to uh, control the way their agenda is being presented to the public. And it may seem like that condition is pretty obvious, but some states have been reforming their electoral system in the way that takes away the ability of a party to actually determine its own nominees uh, second condition is that only the nominee chosen by the party can use its name on the ballot again it's the same type of problem if the if a number of people can claim that party label for themselves as is true right now in California and Washington and some other states then the party is not able to control how their agenda is presented or even if a candidate using their party name is advancing that agenda rather than some other agenda of their own. And finally, and this is the one that applies in most cases in the United States as a disqualifying factor, the election method used in that state has to show the true preferences of the voters. And that's because if the voters cannot show that they really support that agenda. If they feel constrained by, say, a spoiler dynamic or a feeling like if they vote for a minor party because they support the agenda, they really do prefer that party's agenda, but they feel like they, the real choice is between a Democrat and Republican, then they'll vote for a major party candidate who doesn't really show their true preference. So the only way you can use the political system in an effective way to promote a particular political agenda is if those conditions apply. And in the United States, as far as I'm aware, there's only one state in which all of those conditions apply, and that is the state of Maine. Because in the state of Maine, the parties choose their own nominees, and only their nominee can use the party name in the election, put it on the ballot, uh, put put the name of the party next to their name on the ballot, And finally, because Maine recently adopted ranked choice voting for its general elections, most of them anyway, voters have the opportunity to show their true preference for a third party if they they support that agenda more than they do the major parties, because they still have the opportunity to rank a major party as their second choice, and there's less of a spoiler problem. It's not completely eliminated, but it's mitigated. So in Maine, all those conditions apply, and it means that it makes sense if you have an agenda other than the major parties that's um, off from the status quo. It would make sense to form a party in Maine or to be a third party in Maine because you can advance a different agenda in that fashion. You can choose a nominee who will, re- will faithfully represent that agenda. At least you hope they will. You you choose them with the mind to finding someone who actually does support that agenda. And then that's the only nominee, the one your party chooses, that can use that party label on the ballot. And finally, when the voters vote, they can actually show that this is their top choice. This candidate presenting this agenda is their top choice. And it tells the rest of the voters, if that party is able to increase their share of the top choices, a little bit over time, they don't even have to win. It allows them to point towards that as a sign that people are beginning to pay attention and take their agenda more seriously, gives them a little more clout in the political process, gives them a greater opportunity to attract voters to their party, and all in all, makes the third party a vehicle for an alternative political agenda. In all the other states, that's not the case. In one way or another, one of those conditions is violated Almost everywhere, the condition of showing true preferences is violated, even though some states have uh, adopted ranked choice voting, like Alaska did recently. In Alaska, the primary doesn't include those conditions. So if you can't get your party's candidate through through the primary or you can't guarantee that on the ballot you're going to have a candidate of your choosing in the general election, the uh, ranked choice voting isn't going to help you very much. You have to be able to get your candidate on the ballot in the general election with your party's label, and then have something like ranked choice voting, or preferably star voting. But a lot of the momentum right now is behind ranked choice voting. Now, okay, you say you're in my position, or in the position of someone like Andrew Yang and the people who support his agenda, or the people who support the agenda Bernie Sanders, and you're trying to determine what's the best way to keep moving forward, to get to maybe get people in office, but even more importantly, just to get your agenda in front of people and start building support for it in a way that's visible. Now, you have a couple of choices. Uh, You can do it through a third party. You can create a new party. Or you can try to do it through a major party. And there's going to be obstacles because, as I've been saying, The ideal conditions for advancing an agenda don't apply hardly anywhere in the United States. So you have to find a way around this problem. Um, Along with a lot of other people, I've been puzzling about this for a long time and I have suggestions for ways to deal with these problems, but I don't have ultimate answers. unless you can find a way to change the voting system, which is one of my suggestions, because as long as the voting methods are what they are, or if they're changed to something worse, you're gonna be presented with bad choices. That's the nature of our political system. In countries where they have proportional representation, all those conditions apply, uh, for the, for in most of the countries anyway. Parties can choose who their nominees are gonna be. Uh, the vote shows what the level of support is for that party and that the nominees of the party are the only ones who can actually use the party label. Not true in every place in the United States, but it's true in a number of other countries, which makes our country particularly hard to change the status quo. Okay, so let's start with minor parties. I already talked a little bit about the problems that they face. How can they get around it? Well, I'd say, first of all, if you're considering creating a new party, as some people have been, like Andrew Yang has proposed a forward party and some uh, Bernie Sanders supporters have been trying to put together a people's party. What I would say is that's fine to create an organization and call yourself a party, but don't try to gain official recognition as a party in your state unless you're in Maine because it's going to put you in the tough position of, maintaining that ballot status just to get your candidates on the ballot with your party label is going to require you to usually try to keep your voter registration numbers up to a certain threshold and or to get a certain percentage of the vote in a statewide election. Now both those things are hard to do and the second one in particular is counterproductive in a way. Let me parse that out a little bit. So first of all, voter registration numbers. If you're in a state where only people who are registered in a major party can vote, for that party's, vote in that party's primary to choose the nominee, then you're going to find a lot of potential supporters are already registered in a major party, like the Democratic Party. And trying to get them to switch party registrations means they have to give up their ability to help choose the Democratic Party nominee. Not everybody's going to be willing to give up that. So you're going to have a uh, reduced pool of voters who would potentially register with your party. It's going to be hard to keep your numbers up, particularly if newly registered people in your party learn that you can't really get candidates in office because the election system keeps you in a marginalized position. So keeping regist- your number of registered voters up is difficult, given given the circumstances of our elections. In particular, states might be a little easier than others. For example, in a state in which the major parties have open primaries, meaning anyone can vote in for that party's nominee in that party's primary to choose the de- say choose the Democratic Party's nominee, you don't have to be a registered member of the Democratic Party or in a state that doesn't have voter registration by party, anyone can choose which party's primary they wanna participate in. So in situations like that, it may be easier to keep your voter registration numbers up because people are not foregoing the opportunity to participate in a major party primary. So this is why state by state, your opportunities are gonna be different. Depends a lot on whether your state has open primaries or not, as to whether keeping your numbers up as a minor party is going to be more feasible or less feasible. Um, As far as running candidates in statewide elections and trying to get a certain certain threshold of the vote, of course, it's gonna be hard to get a a lot of votes. So if the threshold is very high, uh, you'll never make it and you'll lose your ballot status eventually. But if it's reasonable and you can get that percentage of the vote, the problem is, it forces the party to spend a lot. I'm going to have a sip of water because I'm losing my voice again. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just talking a little bit too loud, trying to project way out there into the ether. If you're trying to run a candidate as a minor party in a statewide election, that's your least viable opportunity. To actually get a significant percentage of the vote or win an election. You're much better off in a small district where you can organize more easily and you don't have to raise as much money. So a smaller district makes a lot more sense as an arena for a minor party to target. And my suggestion would be if you didn't have that necessity of running a statewide candidate, which just tends to put a lot of attention and resources on a race that you're going to have the least chance of winning, my suggestion would be focus all your efforts on one particular race where you have the best chance of winning and where you have the best chance, if not of winning, of showing a significant level of support. Now, there's a lot of considerations to take into account when you try to identify the races in which you have that opportunity. For one thing if it's a congressional district you can find your best candidate in the state and run them in that district even if they don't live in the district in most state elections you have to live in the district in order to run in that district so you could find a good candidate possibly and run them in their own district uh, but it'd be much better if you can find the best candidate in the state instead of the best candidate in the district now the other Uh, consideration is whether there's going to be two major party candidates or not. Sometimes a a, uh, major party fails to field a candidate because they just give up to the other party. So if you're running a more left-wing minor party campaign and you're in a district where, say, the Republicans have nominated a candidate but the Democrats have not, that's an opportunity for you to run a minor party candidate and pick up those votes that might have gone to the Democrat and perhaps show a higher number of votes than you would have if there was a Democrat running. Um, So there's a number of things that you can consider to target your resources more effectively by determining which district to run a candidate in and trying to put all your eggs in one basket, so to speak, by finding your best candidate and the best opportunity for that candidate or finding the best opportunity to run a candidate and then finding the best candidate for that and putting a lot of your resources into that candidate. My experience in third parties, the Green Party, uh, I was involved in, and I've seen the same thing in other parties, the tendency is once you get that ballot line, you just wanna run people. So anyone who offers to run who volunteers to run and seems an adequate candidate you choose them as the nominee because you want to have people running. Uh, you particularly have to do that in statewide elections in order to maintain your ballot access by getting an, uh, the threshold of vote. You meet the threshold of votes in a statewide race. Instead of choosing one area where to focus their resources, they just choose any decent candidates, any can- acceptable level candidates, let's say. They don't have to be great, just acceptable that are hopefully not going to embarrass you terribly. And run them wherever they would like, even though they may not have a chance of winning. Even though they might end up being accused of being a spoiler, and uh, discrediting your party in that way, driving some voters away from you and against you, um, even if you know they 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 haven't a chance of showing a significant level of support. What you want to do is run somebody somewhere where you can show a lot of support. And I've also noticed that in third parties they don't spend a lot of time cultivating resources to help out candidates. That is like collecting money ahead of time to put into a race to help a candidate and choosing a particular candidate to give that money to. They just let the candidates come up with their own funding. Uh, It would be much better to try to solicit all your membership, all your registered voters to create a fund in order to use that fund in a targeted fashion to run the best campaign you can. Because if you can win in some seat somewhere with your party label attached to the winning candidate, that would be a huge change in people's attitude towards your party. It would make your party seem a lot more credible and help advance your agenda by getting more publicity. So, my suggestions to third party people is to try to target your resources, identify your opportunities, and find your best candidates. It's not always what they do. Be My suggestion, whether they take it or not, is up to them. Um, I think I already said, if you're thinking, well, I don't know if I did or not, but I'm going to repeat it if I did. If you're thinking of creating a new party, don't, unless you're in Maine. It's a waste of time. You'd be better off creating an independent organization and not seeking ballot status until you have a better electoral system in place. What you should do is spend your time working for election reform, a reform that would create the conditions under which you can advance your agenda more effectively, those three conditions. Uh, some states you have an initiative process and you can do that. Some states you don't. My recommendation, which is no surprise to those of you who have been watching my show for a while, is to get star voting in place, if possible. If ranked choice voting is already established in the state and the and they're trying to get it, uh, there's a strong movement for it, and they're trying to get it in partisan elections, I would back that one, because that will help create the conditions for you to run uh, candidates under your party label and your choosing of the candidates so that you can advance the agenda by educating the public and showing voters actually support it and that it has growing support across time. Now finally, the other tough one is the major parties. What is the advantages and disadvantages of trying to run candidates in a major party that have a specific agenda. The major parties are mass-based parties, and they don't really have agendas uh, that are very coherent. What they tend to do is just pile up a lot of policy positions without any type of ideology behind it, and they protect... The reputation of that party as being a wide tent for a lot of different types of people, which means they don't want to get too stuck to a particular agenda and they don't want to get too attached to a particular ideology. So if you're coming in trying to uh, advance an agenda that's very far outside of the mainstream of their party membership, you're going to have a very hard time of winning primaries with candidates that you back. So the way to work within a major party would be to create an organization independent of the party. And then again, target races where you can try to win primary elections with candidates who have your agenda. But if the agenda you have is too far out of the mainstream of it, you're going to find in most party primaries, when it's, if it's limited to the party voters, those party voters are going to be reticent or reluctant to agree to a different agenda unless it somehow has resonance for them. Now, Bernie Sanders' agenda harkened back to Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal, so it had some resonance to Democratic voters. But you find that it wasn't really an organization advancing agenda that tended to pull people together. It was a particular candidate, and it's the same thing on the Republican side. Donald Trump by virtue of his force of personality and specific conditions that allowed him to move forward as a candidate, was able to change the agenda of the Republican party. Because as I said, the major parties don't have very fixed ideological agendas. They're kind of a grab bag for whatever the voters are leaning towards. So if a candidate can come in and persuade voters, they can shift the center of gravity of that party and you can get more opportunities to run people with your agenda. That relies a lot on finding a very um, formidable candidate, <laughs> which is, you know, for for any anything other than a recognizable agenda like the one that Bernie Sanders had is going to be difficult to do. So if you're Andrew Yang or if you're Alan Z here with a, an agenda that doesn't have um, a lot of overlap with the traditions of the Democratic Party, you're not going to get very far within the party. I would say create an independent organization, try to work towards electoral reform, and to the extent possible, endorse candidates who come along that do share elements of your agenda. Again, it would be worth your while to not only have a separate um, organization with its own name and recognizable symbols, you're not going to be able to get on the ballot this way, which progressives have always found, to be a problem because anyone could call themselves a progressive but if you have a label attached to your agenda and you can endorse people it won't be on the ballot but you can start um, identifying candidates more clearly with a specific agenda than if you have a vague name and no organization around it. All right, so those are my um, suggestions for getting around these problems I see that it's 924 already uh, not seeing a lot of people on the chat, but I would welcome comments. Be interested to hear any feedback on what I had to say. I spent so much time trying to fix the sound for this show. Uh, I didn't compose my thoughts. I always say that. I always make that excuse. I didn't compose my thoughts as well so I should. I could have done it earlier. So let's see. Who do we have? Anyone in the participant? Uh, not too many people there, so not too many questions. Well, let me wind up with this. Last week, one of my viewers asked a question about Oregon and um, ranked choice voting. Rather, ranked choice voting was uh, moving forward in Oregon. And something did happen this week, which may show that ranked choice voting is going to move forward in Oregon. At least has a better chance. And unfortunately, that's to the detriment of star voting. What happened is that in Portland, every 10 years, they have an opportunity to change their charter for city government. And this is the year they created a commission to look at changes to make. And that commission had been considering changing the voting method. They heard testimony about star voting and about rank choice voting and about uh, different types of districting, as well as other changes to the city government, which are less relevant to our point. The subcommittee had recommended star start voting, I believe, but then when it went to the full committee and they reviewed that question, they just recently decided to go with ranked choice voting. But it's in multi-member districts. So they're going to divide the city up into four districts. Each district will elect three commissioners to the city commission, and they will use a form of ranked choice voting to choose those three commissions commissioners from each district. Um, the multiple election, uh, the multiple winner type of ranked choice voting is actually better than the single winner type of ranked choice voting. So in that sense, it's better than it could have been. Um, but it does give impetus to the ranked choice voting movement. The next step is for them to have those ballot, uh, those those particular suggested amendments written up as a ballot measure. And then it goes back to the full commission and they vote on whether to put it on the ballot for November. If they go forward with that and it's on the ballot and then if the voters vote to pass it and it looks like the voters are very ready for some big changes in Portland uh, city government. If Portland establishes ranked choice voting in their city elections, we already have ranked choice voting for the county commission in Benton County. That means that it's going to have more um more possibility of getting chosen as the electoral reform at the state level as well. And so it kind of uh, crowds out star voting a little bit. The opportunity for star voting is still to try to get it in some local jurisdiction so that it can show that it works before it does go to a state level decision. Losing my voice again. All right, so it's almost 9.30 and i'm still open to any comments or questions from the peanut gallery out there i also hate it when i smack my lips like that it sounds off on the sound track not seeing too much well okay we'll go with that then uh next week oh Let me go to the traditional ending and say if you do, if you're watching this later on YouTube or you're listening on a podcast and you'd like to give feedback, uh, please write your comments on the YouTube channel, Political Dharma, or you can go to the Alan on Politics Facebook group and Facebook page and put your comments there. I haven't changed the name of that yet from the old name of the show, Alan on Politics, to the new name, Political Dharma. So go to the Alan on Politics Facebook page and you can put comments there. Uh, I'll be setting up some kind of way to give comments for Political Dharma soon. And um, I guess that's about it. Thank you for watching or listening wherever you are. And now that I have the sound problem figured out, I promise you I will be better organized with my topic next week. And I'm not sure what that is. I'll have to come up with one. Going in the same direction, though, I think. And um, I guess that's it. So, farewell. I don't think I forgot (laughs) anything. I hope not. Uh, I'm just happy that I finally got the sound working again. Maybe this will bring some folks back to listening again. Uh, Keep on going, right? Keep on going. Keep on improving. And eventually I'll get to the point where uh, everything will be working. Just terrific. our self-worth is a passenger on this vehicle earth With ease I see the chains are breaking we gained our focus, the moves we're making We'll prove to determine our self-worth is a passenger on this vehicle earth